We are Maria and Nicole. We're two secular homeschooling moms that have been been there, there, done done that. Welcome to episode 15. How do you teach your child how to read? Today, we're going to be talking about when your child is ready. We're going to be talking about what curriculum should you use and can you teach with reading games? And as usual, we want to stress that our podcast is an inclusive space for your everyday parents that are looking for education options. We are not here to convince you to homeschool. Uh, We want to stress that you need to do what works for your child and for your family. Every family is different. Absolutely. And you know your children best. So uh, feel free to take what advice or information you get from here that works for you and chuck the rest. Hey, Nicole. How's it going? Hey, Maria. Good to see you again today. I know. I was at hike this morning. You know, it was funny because you texted me yesterday. We're on our <laughs> on our fitness kick and you're like, hey, I've got some time for a hike tomorrow. Do you want to meet up like 10? 10 o'clock on Thursday. Are you busy, Nicole? I'm like, you mean when I do my usual Thursday hike like every week <laughs> that you participated in for years and years and years? Oh my God. Well, in my defense, it's not on my calendar anymore. And it doesn't work for our schedule because my kid is always in a class and I'm busy on and that time. But it just so happened I wasn't because he's in tech week for theater. And so I'm it like, all worked out. Hey, let's do a hike. Oh. And it was perfect. And it was a great day. Oh, my gosh. It was so nice outside today. Oh, my gosh. It was like 80 degrees yesterday. And then today it was like 40 degrees. Beautiful. Again. Yeah. Right. So it was a great day. I loved it. Me too. I'm excited about today's episode. We have so much to cover on teaching your child how to read. So let's get started. So reading is necessary for learning and instilling a love of reading at an early age is just going to be that key that unlocks the door to lifelong learning. It's the foundation that helps us learn and make sense of the world around us. Right. And reading builds social and emotional skills and it ignites imagination. Mm -hmm. Reading builds self-confidence and independence and it is a critical foundation for developing logic and problem-solving skills. I'm sure we would all agree that learning to read is an important skill that we need to teach every child. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I will say that teaching a child to read is probably the most intimidating aspect of homeschooling. At least it was for me. Like I felt like this was my make it or break it moment and uh, that there was a lot of pressure. Like if I couldn't do this, like could I even do it? Right. So I was a little bit nervous about this process. Right. It's the gateway to everything and all the other learning. It is. It's important to keep in mind that all children learn and develop at their own pace. This goes for everything from learning to crawl and walk and talk. But unlike some of those skills, many children don't learn to read naturally, but some do. And we're going to be talking about that in this episode. So here we go. Yeah. So when is my child ready to learn to read? Well, one of the biggest factors and obstacles is going to be pre-reading skills and reading readiness. And these are the skills that children have that are essential for reading development. So trying to teach a child that has not demonstrated a grasp on pre-reading skills and is ready for the next step can lead to frustration and anxiety. And it's not really developmentally appropriate. But a child who is ready to start learning to read is going to be a lot easier to teach than one that isn't. And uh, sometimes it's kind of difficult to determine what this readiness means. Right. Well, first, one of the most important predictors of reading readiness is motivation and interest. Mm -hmm. Not even the best reading program out there is going to be able to teach an interest into reading. Yeah. 
So first of all, let's talk about some of those pre-reading skills that are essential for reading readiness. Many of these skills will naturally and organically happen during the toddler and the pre-K years. Yeah, like you don't really have to teach it necessarily. Right. They kind of happen within the house yeah. and being around children. if you did nothing else, like it would happen. <laughs> right. Well, the first one would be rhyming. It's one of the first indicators of reading readiness. And this is because much of phonics instruction deals with manipulating language, which also relates heavily to writing. Mm -hmm. And when my kids were young, I made a rhyming song for everything that we did throughout our days. <laughs> they loved that, I'm sure. Getting in your car seat, or <laughs> getting a snack, going outside to play, everything. I literally rhymed everything we did. And it just kind of happened. I'm kind of like that. I'm, yeah. I'm a weird freak, but my you kids... <laughs> Anyway, so also kids love to play rhyming games. We love Dr. Seuss books, and they're all made with funny, silly, rhyming words. We love the things you can think whenever you can. I love that yeah, book so much. that's a sweet book. <laughs> So another thing you can do is uh, matching and sorting items, colors and shapes. Like children love to organize and sort things. I just did a meme of matching your Tupperware lids to your Tupperware on our Instagram the other day. It was kind of funny. It was a joke, but kids really do like to do that. And it's great to include those activities into daily life and into normal conversations. Um, there's plenty of toys that you can buy for this, but you can also just use things around your kitchen like your Tupperware or, you know, plastic plates, uh, lids, socks, shoes, setting the table, all kinds of different things like that. Right. Also working on motor skills, holding a pencil, drawing large shapes. We used a cake pan with rice or maybe take a stick and write in the dirt or sidewalk chalk. Uh, there's no rules that you have to use pencil and paper to develop motor skills. You right. can totally <laughs> make letters with dough. You're still going to learn the skills. The next thing would be for pre-reading skills would be book and print awareness. So your child should know how to handle a book properly. And that means when offered a book that they can find the cover and hold it the right side up. It also means that they understand that books are read from left to right and that we only turn one page at a time. This doesn't necessarily need to be instructed. They learn this just by cuddling up on the couch while you read to them. It's just kind of the organic part of learning what the written word is and how it is presented. Yeah, another readiness skill would be language skills, like your child just joining in on conversations, or maybe they like to tell or retell stories, making up stories during pretend play, or pretending to read a favorite book they've heard a million times is a sign of readiness. Right. Julian used to love that book. It's a Sandra Boynton, red hat, blue hat, green hat, and she made us read it over and over again, and so... My mom came to visit and Jillian grabbed the book and opened it up and started saying all of the things. And my mom was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe she can read already. I'm like, she's not reading that. She's no, Nicole, she is. And then I was like, no, look, the book is actually upside down. Like, she's just saying what she's heard so many she times. She memorized that. Which memorization is also a sign yes. of readiness. That's awesome. Okay. So now that we've covered some of the pre-reading skills that your child needs before learning how to read, what are some of the signs of reading readiness? Well, your child can read her own name, his or her own name. Uh, children are naturally drawn to their names. And once they get to the point where they can read their own and differentiate it from others in a group, they're getting closer to learning how to read. Right. Uh, the next thing would be that your child can hear parts of words like syllables and sounds in words like C-A-T is C-A-T. Phonological awareness like clapping and counting syllables and phonemic awareness like hearing each sound in a word can help when they begin to look at letters and sound out words. 
Yeah, and your child understands text has meaning. The purpose of reading is to gain information. So for example, if a child saw his name written out, he understands that name refers to him and not anything else. Yeah. Your child can also maybe recite the alphabet. So whether it's singing the ABC song or just saying each letter from memory, uh, knowing the alphabet can be an important step towards reading readiness. Right. The next thing would be that your child can identify and name some or all upper and lowercase letters. This is important because individual letters make up words to be read and written. They don't need to know all of them, but just see the differences. The next would be that your child can correspond some or all letters to their correct sounds. This is necessary for decoding the act of sounding out words. And I personally thought that it was best to teach letter sounds. Initially, I thought it was more important because what does it matter what a letter is called if you don't know the sound it makes when you're actually trying to read or phonetically learn something. Right. But that's for each individual as you're going along. The next thing would be that your child can echo a simple text that is read to them. Doing so demonstrates understanding of one-to-one correspondence in reading. That means that each word on a page corresponds to a word that is read. Yeah, and you know, there's a very broad range of when a child learns to read, and it can be just as normal for a four-year-old to be ready as it is for a child not to be ready until age eight. Oh, absolutely. Um, And there's nothing wrong with listening and watching your child and determining the best pathway to take. All children are different, as we always say, and this is one of those great homeschooling benefits where you really can go at your own pace and tailor this to your child and just, you know, meet them where they are. Right. Aside from the signs of readiness we just discussed, here are some other developmental signs that you may want to look out for. The first one would be social development. It is important to reading because children need to know how to take turns, cooperate, and develop self-control before learning to read. This is because a large part of reading instruction involves activities and short discussions where a child needs to have such skills. Right. Uh, You also want to look out for their emotional development. Before learning to read, children need to have a good self-concept and an understanding of how they fit into their world. Also, physical development is important. Children need to have strong bodies that can support sitting, since that tends to be the preferred position for reading a book. They also need to have the fine motor skills that accompany writing and page turning. I'm not sure my teenagers would agree. They like to lay down and read. I know. We uh, <laughs> yeah, like to slump on the couch. So <laughs> so maybe semi-strung bodies. Maybe. Uh. <laughs> okay. So moving along. So the next thing would be cognitive development. In the case of reading readiness, children need to have a cognitive level where they can both visually and auditorily discriminate between letter shapes and different letter sounds. The next would be visual discrimination. That includes the ability to see likenesses and differences among letters. For example, being able to differentiate between the letters an L and a T or a small A and a small O or a six and a nine. And then auditory discrimination would mean that a child can hear the difference between an F as in Frank and a V as in Victor sounds, or they can hear the difference in ending the words like cap or cat. Okay, here comes the big question of the day. Everybody wants to know, what curriculum should I use? Yeah, so before we get into learning to read, let's talk for a moment about being read to. We talked about this in another episode, and it's a pretty awesome statistic. The single biggest predictor of high academic achievement and high ACT and SAT scores is reading to children. 
Absolutely. The importance of reading books to children and the profound effects of reading on child development can be seen from a study from Ohio State University. And the results of that study show that children who are read to in the first five years of life have a 1.4 million word advantage over children who are not read to at home. That's amazing. That's incredible. We're going to have that study on our website. So you need to check out that statistic. It's not the only one that's done on reading and the advantages of being read to, but it's super profound. It really is. And in our house, we never really stop with the read alouds. While my kids do a lot of independent reading, I still also read aloud with my high schooler daily. Part of this is because we follow a literature-based curriculum, but another part is that we just enjoy it. The Read Aloud Handbook by Jim Trelease is a staple on my bookshelf, and he talks a lot about the benefits of reading aloud and then he's got all kinds of fabulous book suggestions for every age range and family reading and he talks about reading to teenagers and all of that right absolutely I agree some of the specific benefits that come from reading aloud are an enhanced vocabulary a child can understand different language patterns and their thinking skills writing skills and it also encourages independent reading Yep. And it's also great for bonding time. They're going to learn problem solving. Uh, it helps with concentration, memory work, and uh, also it can teach moral lessons and life skills. Absolutely. And even audiobooks. Sometimes we're busy and we can't always read. Say we're cooking dinner. We can't hold a book and read to our children while they're sitting there at the breakfast bar or right. wherever. So audiobooks are fantastic. Put sure. on an audiobook. You can enjoy that while you cook dinner together. Yeah. I always read books that were beyond my children's ability to read. I think that sometimes people get caught up into what level is that book and my child's only a level one and that's a level four book. And I think that we really need to break this cycle of typing our child into one specific category because really the ultimate goal is to enjoy the story. We want them to really know what the book's for. I mean, of course, we want our children to know how to read, but we want them to actually appreciate reading and appreciate everything. That, yeah. 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 So I read stories from an early age like Harry Potter or Little House on the Prairie. We even read simpler books like Frog and Toad. Oh, I love Frog and Toad. <laughs> They're so silly. They are. We love Dr. Seuss. I mentioned that earlier. I loved all the rhymes. Sometimes I would follow along with my finger and they may only halfway pay attention and maybe it seems like they're not really getting it. And I think sometimes we really want them to understand those words that we're reading, they're going to catch. If you're sitting there going along with your finger, they're going to catch a lot more than you realize. So it's important to not be so forceful with it. Sometimes I think we just, we really want them to read so bad that we can't do that to them. Yeah. Mary Pope Osborne was an absolute favorite for both of my kids. Yep, us too. The Magic Treehouse (laughs) series is wonderful. I would read that even from a very young age. It's interesting stories and it's predictable with repetitive words, but it's not too boring. Yeah. And uh, it's a repetitive like uh, timeline of this, like all of her, bo- you know, right. kind of build up to this like <laughs> climax and then they come back home. And it's <laughs> so fun for pre-readers to be read those stories. Yeah, they love it. Yeah. So I would read a chapter and have to go cook dinner or something. And they were so excited about what was going to happen next that they would often pick it up and 
and attempt to read. Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. So we would often take the initiative and learn about the places that Jack and Annie traveled in those books. Mm -hmm. Treehouse spun round and round. If you don't know the books, they're so wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. I'll link those in the show notes. But honestly, you could build an entire curriculum based on these books alone. My oldest child's fourth birthday theme was inspired by the Magic Treehouse book, Vacation Under the Volcano. (laughs) The theme of that birthday party was, okay, everybody hold on. Mount Vesuvius covers the ancient city of Pompeii in 8079 <laughs> birthday party for a four-year-old. Oh my <laughs> we made baking soda and vinegar erupting volcanoes. We were in togas with Laurel Reese. I mean, what a homeschooler thing to do. <laughs> well, I'm happy that you say that because my four-year-old had an ancient Egypt birthday party. <laughs> totally crazy and my single childless neighbor was like oh is that like a common birthday party theme for kids these days for homeschoolers like, maybe maybe for homeschoolers so obviously it was I didn't obviously we that. had some ancients uh, oh yeah gosh. themes going on that, that's fun um but you know you have to remember that it's not only about instructing right I can't stress this enough it's essential that your child learn to enjoy the story reading is hard and you don't want to make it harder for them you want to let them understand the reason for reading is to enjoy the book and we're going to include read aloud tracker with our freebies with this week on our show notes yeah. so that can help you kind of track your read-alouds. Um, and so back to curriculum, when you search for a curriculum, it's important to note that a lot of reading programs are going to have different parts. Ideally, they're going to cover phonics, phonemic awareness, vocabulary, fluency, and comprehension. And these components work together to create reading abilities. Knowing the names of like every single letter is not really necessary. You're going to be more teaching the sound that the consonant represents and beginning with short sounds for vowels, etc. Right. Exactly. A lot of the experts might suggest that you don't introduce letters in ABC order. I think that everybody's approach is going to be a little bit different. You know, we were very organic with our reading and the way that I taught as far as just, like I said, enjoying the story. I found this website at one point. I think it was called something like Letter of the Week. And I think there's a lot of websites dedicated to that. I couldn't find it. I tried to find it for you all, but I couldn't find it this week. But It doesn't matter. It's just we basically went through the alphabet one letter a week. We did a lot of reading throughout that time. It's not like we only talked about that letter, but that letter, we always talked about the sound. Like if it was a B, it's like what words start with a B, B, bear, B, B, bull. And so it was something that we did. And then we went through the alphabet. A lot of the professionals would say, don't do that. I think that you need to do what works for you. Yeah. And we I, we did something similar. I think it, I think ours was like a book from the library because I had checked out all these preschool books for my <laughs> oldest from the library that later I realized so you don't formal. really need to do. Yeah, no, um, you don't. <laughs> my third kid would be like, what is letter of the week? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, but they were fun, fun little games. And even without letter of the week, your third learned how to read. She did. If you are really looking for a formal reading program, you may want to search out play versus structured teaching approaches for pre-K and kindergarten levels. And I also wanted to note right now that if you haven't yet listened to our episode six, what your preschooler should know, you absolutely should do that before teaching your child how to read because that episode covers a lot about developmentally where your child is at that point. So make sure that you go give that a listen and check out the show notes. And I have some freebies in that one too. Yeah, it's a great one. 
Discussing actual reading programs by name, we used Teach Your Child to Read in 100 Easy Lessons. It's a pretty popular program. Um, I used it with three of my kids. Its popularity, though, is kind of hit or miss, probably because if you do it exactly as written, it can be kind of dry or boring. And it also has a writing component. And I had a resistant writer who turned out to be dysgraphic. So. I actually used that book for for about a week. And Did I said, you? <laughs> no, it's way too formal for me. So just to go show you, yeah. whatever works for your family. <laughs> yeah. But so we, well, we combated that in two ways. Like for one, I skipped the writing part of the book. But two, if I felt like we had a concept down, then we just moved on rather than cover it over and over again repetitively. It's it's totally okay to use curriculum like that, to use it as a guide and then just use the parts that work for you. So don't be afraid to adjust things like that. Right. A lot of people feel like they have to go through lesson one, lesson two, and just go ex- right. from front cover to back cover. And really, that is absolutely not what you need to do. No. If your child has a concept down, yeah. why, why repeat it? Why make it boring? And I mean, I, like we adjusted it so much to the point that I was actually doing the book with my oldest, but my middle was looking over the shoulder and really, I guess, wanted to read too. So she actually picked up reading like halfway through that book and never <laughs> even finished it. My oldest did do the whole book and so did my youngest. And um, so Jane so learned before Jack. She did. <laughs> she <laughs> did. Funny. And also like uh, two of mine needed a little bit more phonics work after that book as well. And so another program that we used that we really liked was Phonics Pathways. And I think that's from Well-Trained Mind. Yeah. Um, we'll link all of these. We also loved um, Explode the Code workbooks. Did you guys do those too? We did for for a short spell. Yeah. yeah. I'm a little too informal for things. <laughs> so I'll, 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 I'll dabble at it and yeah. then back off. Well, they're really fun. They're little workbooks, which usually we're not workbook people, but they're silly and they're phonics based. And yeah. uh, the kids really enjoyed doing those. That was something they could do independently even when they were young. Or if you have somebody who doesn't like to write, you could also do those books orally. I think they actually have an online version now I've seen. Mm. Um, I don't know how that works. I but didn't know that. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's probably a fun little program. There's so much technology advanced just in the last 10 years. It's kind of mind-blowing. Yep. Some other popular programs that we mentioned often that are also scripted, open and go programs, all about reading, mm-hmm. the Ordinary Parent's Guide to Teaching Reading, Logic of English, and I use Language Lessons for Little Ones by Sandy Queen. It's an informal introduction with a Charlotte Mason flavor for preschool students. It did some poetry, narration, a little bit of letter introduction. So that was fun. And, you know, and if my child was resistant, I just backed off and we did other things. So yeah. that's an important thing to know whenever your child's resistant to make sure that you do step back when they're not interested. Yep. So just a reminder that this is a weekly episode. We drop one every Thursday morning just for you. And if you have any additional ideas or comments, please come and comment on our Facebook page on the episode thread or send us an email at info at btdthomeschool.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Oh my gosh, yes. We've been getting so much great feedback. So please keep it coming. So moving right along, your reading curriculum that you choose may have a follow-up book list or recommendations for what complements their program or what they suggest students to read. Some popular recommendations of books may be Mo Williams' Elephant and Piggy series. We loved those. (laughs) Oh my gosh, they were so funny. That was one of the first books that my son learned to read. Yeah. Dick and Jane books. Those are always fun and repetitive. 
Yep. Uh, people love those old, these are really old fashioned, but the McGuffey readers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever did those. I think we had one old one. Um, and rhyming books like Dr. Seuss, which right. you've mentioned a couple times here, are those are often on a first reading list. Leveled readers may be something uh, that kids like to start and progress through, you know, like that I can read series or I can read it. The library usually has like special sections just for those books. And that was a big deal in the beginning when my kids were just, you know, first starting to read to go and pick out those books that were in that section. But, you know, don't feel like you have to be like limited to that section either. Um, Oh, and uh, Bob books. Didn't you? Didn't you? Okay, yeah. So my Bob book story, that was funny. I had picked up some Bob books at a garage sale and they were in order. So it was kind of a set curriculum progressed from book one and went on. And so my oldest, I was like, okay, Riley, we're going to learn how to read. And she was young. I started way too young. And anyway, so she was super resistant and I was super forceful. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll just quit, which is exactly what you should do when things get rough. Right. Listen to me. Okay. (laughs) Don't teach them whenever they're not ready. So anyway, so I backed off and I did the right thing. It took me a little longer than it should have, but I did. And then all of a sudden, a few months later, she picked up the book and she read it. And I'm like, no, because I had read it to her. And I thought for sure, just like Jillian, I thought maybe she memorized that. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't think so. So we went to the next book and she read it perfectly. And I'm like, well, I don't think so. So then we went to the third and then the fourth and the fifth. And she'd never <laughs> read those before. And she read and them she perfectly. just read through all of and them. And I'm like, wait, what's, wild. what's going on? But so at the time, I was still married. And I thought maybe he was reading the books and the memorization was happening. (laughs) And then we were down, I I said this in another episode, I don't know which one, and we were down in Dallas and we were parked at the Galleria. We were next to this big truck that had a bunch of writing on it. And all of a sudden she starts reading everything on the truck, everything on the truck. And I thought, Oh oh my gosh, what? I was kind of freaking out. I was having a moment. I was like, what's going on? (laughs) So we went home and I never instructed her anymore. She just started picking up those Bob books and she read that day all the way through like the entire series. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. looks like I have a a a reader, a motivated reader. (laughs) So, so I technically did not teach her how to read. I mean, we made reading literature a part of our everyday life. Uh, We pointed out signs. We read, we did sidewalk chalk. We did all the things we talked about. But really, ultimately, she did not need the instruction. She kind of deciphered the code. And you'll find out that some kids and maybe one of your children will learn how to decipher the code by themselves. But unfortunately, not all children do that. No, that's some... not the typical <laughs> so that's fine. way so, that it anyway, goes. That's my little Bob book story. That's so, so funny. <laughs> anyway, another thing that would be recommended would be graphic novels. There are always internet arguments about whether graphic novels are really reading. Of course they are. Of course. They're, they're words and they're you're reading them. Yeah. Anything that gets your child's interest and helps them practice their newfound skill has value. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of friends that strengthen reading skills with comics like Calvin and Hobbes. My son was one of them. (laughs) Or or The Far Side. Yeah, my kids loved The Far Side. That's probably where we get our like weird sense of humor. So um, you and I are both Charlotte Mason style homeschoolers, and uh, this particular philosophy also takes issue with what we call twaddle. And uh, twaddle is the, uh, well, the idea is that it's easy to find books that appeal to the eyes with lots of pictures and short sentence snippets and lots of action, but maybe not a lot of substance. These books might be entertaining, but they offer, you know, they don't require a lot of effort. And often parents think that this is what young children need, but the Charlotte Mason approach would say this is not 
not how you strengthen the mind and the imagination. We already know that kids have great imaginations because we can see it, like when they're playing and drawing and the stories they tell. And when we give them a little bit less of a prefabricated story, an idea and a picture, then they're just going to illustrate the rest of that in their mind. So then my personal philosophy, like rather than give them all easy, thoughtless books, challenge them with some quality living books that it's going to force them to paint their own pictures in their mind and words and strengthen their mind's eye. We don't need to spoon feed every scene of a story. And sometimes visual overload can squelch imagination rather than strengthen it. Completely agree with that. You were saying you liked to read books that were like above their reading level. Absolutely. And I had mentioned in an earlier episode that one of the things that I loved about my children's imagination is their ideas and their storytelling. So if you have a child that loves to tell stories, which Mm -hmm. most of them do, uh, I actually type really fast. So I would come to the computer and I would sit there at the computer and they would sit next to me on my lap and they would tell me these lovely, wonderful, outlandish stories about purple dragons and whatever. They had so many great stories and ideas. Even if they didn't make sense, I would type them word for word exactly how they told me the story. And then I would kind of edit it, double space and whatever, big font, and I would print it and I would make tiny books for them and their own story came to life. I would usually put blank pages between each of the word pages and then they would illustrate whatever they did and (laughs) still have some of those books laying around. Oh my goodness. Maybe you should self-publish them and they can become famous Maybe I should. There's some crazy stories. Oh my gosh. There was one of about an ant pile. It was a little crazy. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's (laughs) funny. So how do you do this without feeling like you are dictating your kids every reading move? Easy. When you go to the library, let them pick the things that they want while also picking your own choices. Fill your bookshelves at home with quality books and mix them all in. Many find reading really takes off when you find that child's currency. Maybe a popular series that they hear people talk about often, Mm -hmm. or perhaps they want to teach themselves something. A video game with lots of text may encourage reading. Animal Crossing was a game that got my kids reading more. And also we did Webkins for many years. My oldest did Webkins. That was stuffed animals that came with a little code and you went online and you- Oh gosh, we did those. I forgot about those. Is that still a thing, I wonder? I don't don't know. know. I should look that up. I knew they were everywhere. Webkins was such a fun thing. And so they would have their animal, their virtual animal go on. I remember I ended up getting an animal. Finally, I relented and got uh, Bubbles the dolphin. Oh, my gosh. We had so (laughs) many. I'm going online to search to see if that's a thing. And we will include Webkins in the show notes if we find (laughs) it. (laughs) Right. Well, and my son, my youngest, he really wanted to do it. And I I really did not have the time to sit there and walk him through all of the processes (laughs) to build his house and all the things that you do on Webkins. It's super cute. So anyway, so. I said, well, when you're able to read, we will go ahead. We'll try this in six months. And six months, he was bound to determine he was going to read. And he did. And oh, Just so he could so. do his webcams. I love it. <laughs> we will include some of the links and ideas and everything that we're talking about on our show notes on our website. So be sure to check that out after you listen. We would love it if you would take a second to go out there and like and rate us. Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We are on all those streaming platforms. So go out and check us out. Give us a thumbs up. So what about games? What are the best games for reading? Well, as we've mentioned before, we are both fans of hands-on play-based learning, especially for young children. Yeah. So incorporating games and play into your reading instruction is going to be very helpful. 
A really fun reading game is the app and computer game Teach Your Monster to Read. This is a great option if you're looking for a free web-based reading game for kids. The program has a bunch of fun reading games and built-in rewards to encourage your child to read and improve reading skills over three levels. And they have both web browser-based and an app-based option. Nice. And I think I've mentioned uh, these Peggy K books before. We just loved them. There's a whole bunch of them. And uh, I originally picked them up like randomly at a garage sale on the fly. But they had really fun activities like uh, we played this driveway chalk hopscotch game with letters. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did that. Uh, yeah, and they, they weren't things that we did every day, but uh, though my children probably would have loved it if we did do them every day. But they're fun to break up a program when it gets boring or when we're struggling with something and we needed to walk away and just do something differently. So she's got a book called Games for Reading, Playful Ways to Help Your Child Read, and there's also another one that's uh, called Games with Books, and it's kind of like five in a row. You read a book, and then you do activities based on that book. Right. We'll put that in the show notes so you guys can check those out. I'm a fan, like I said earlier, of teaching letter sounds more than the actual letter names, and Sequence Letters is a game that's it's a great board game for teaching both the letters and the sounds that they make, and it's a great way to teach early phonics skills in an interactive way, and it's a good way to include your preschooler in family game nights. And you don't even have to buy anything just to do this. You, you could just, I got a cup and I got some popsicle sticks and a Sharpie and I wrote letters on the ends of the popsicle sticks and stuck them down in the cup. And then we'd go over and pick out one popsicle stick and say it was a P. And I was like, okay, find something in the room that starts with a P, P sound. So you can get creative with teaching any of this. Yeah. Another game that we did like a lot was Boggle Junior. It's like a hands-on word search activity and it's a lot of fun. Oh my gosh, we love Starfall, part of their website that's still free and it's also an app now. Yeah. And it teaches some really awesome basic early reading phonics. Reading eggs. Okay, so my 15-year-old, that's the one I really needed to teach to read. And I used a lot of games and different methods to teach him. He's very physical and he learns kind of on the go, jumping up and down. So we did a lot of things like he jumped on his scooter. I would write different letters on the concrete and he would scoot over to the correct letter, things like that. But reading eggs, that really was a game changer for me. He kind of got those early phonics down, but then he couldn't really jump the hurdle into a full blown reader until we hit reading eggs. I think a lot of the portion is free until you get to a certain level. I tell you what, he did the entire course and he did, it's like little levels. You go up the road and there's a lot of games and it's super visual and super hands-on. They had little teeny tiny lessons, which is exactly what he needed for his attention span. So that was a big part of his learning to read. Yeah, I think you turned us on to that program with Jillian as well. Oh, did like she I, do it? Yeah, she did it. I, I didn't use it with my older ones. My older ones did Starfall as well, which like you were saying, you know, it was free. It might be free and paid now. You yeah. know, it's it's now become like a fully developed program offering like all kinds of different grade levels and all of those kind of programs are just awesome. Yeah, they're super good. And and of course, your child has to be at the ability to be able to, you know, interact with the computer and have a mouse. And I'm not a fan of doing this for a long duration of time, but a little snippet here and there, like 10 minutes a day or 10 minutes twice a day. Why not? 
Yeah, yeah. Or, or great when you're on the go, like if you've got at the grocery store. Oh, because there's the app now. I they know. didn't have that one. I know. There's <laughs> probably some grandpa who's like, oh, kids these days all have a phone in their head, but don't realize that maybe they're doing a reading game or right. like a math game. They're actually like, learning how to read. So, yeah. You know, you definitely can work your uh, screen time to include yeah. those kind of things. Stop judging grandpa. Yeah. Stop. Let's go. Let's all, <laughs> let's all just love one another. Oh, Tall Tales. That is a game and it can boost your child's literacy skills. It encourages them to build a creative story and the game's perfect for the entire family to play together and you each add the next twist to the tall tale and that one is super fun. I'll have that linked on the show notes. Oh, that's cute. You know, we used a book called Story Starters. This was more for writing, but it sounded kind of similar. Like it would start you out with like a thing and then you would continue the story and you could kind of use it. Oh, I think I had a dice game like that, actually. Oh, Oh, we did have a dice game like that i used to carry it in my purse for restaurants i think there was a noun and a verb and an adjective and an adverb die i don't know oh yeah those were really cool (laughs) i have to dig that out those were great games okay (laughs) and there's always old favorites like scrabble jr it's a great way to teach sight words on a more basic level you can just hide the tiles around the room and have the kids identify the letter or the sounds that they make you can also do this with bananagrams. That's oh, a fun one. I love bananagrams. Right. I still have that at my house, like on a shelf. Okay, so I talked about reading eggs and how it was a game changer for Cameron, but I'm telling you what really, really made a big deal in my household was karaoke. Uh, I mentioned this, I think, in the last episode. Uh, music is infectious, and children can't help but to watch the words dance by on the screen while they sing along. And early on, we just sang along. And then later, I kind of upgraded. I bought a cheap microphone and plugged it into an amplifier because he had a little guitar amplifier hookup. And my system has now advanced a little bit more. (laughs) Now I have a wireless mic system. And when the kids aren't here, guess what? It's one of my favorite things to do with all my friends. Yes, we love karaoke at your house as (laughs) well. There's been many... How many times have we done a kids karaoke party and then the adults come in and take over the karaoke from the kids? Jane still (laughs) rolls her eyes at me about that one. She does. She's like, wait, is it a karaoke party for the kids or for the (laughs) grownups? That's so funny. We were talking about video games earlier in Animal Crossing, and that was also a way that we built up a ton of reading practice at my house because I like wasn't going to read any more of Tom Nook's nonsense to <laughs> my kids and that. And they wanted to play that game so bad. And so guess what? When you don't <laughs> enable that, they start figuring it out for themselves. They really want to play that game so bad, then they're going to figure out what he's telling right. them. Motivation, so. right? Yeah, absolutely. Reading games are fun and simple to do, and these fun hands-on reading games can be done as a part of homeschool life and incorporated into the things you're already doing. So, Yeah, much of what you do to help your child become aware of sounds and things is in the form of conversation and games anyway. Rhyming games, like we talked about before, just making up little jingles uh, or making silly rhymes, like changing the endings of words or poems. <laughs> uh, you could uh, take a regular song and change like words in it and see if your kids notice it. Like, happy birthday to shrews. Happy birthday. And they're like, no, it's happy birthday to you. <laughs> right. There's also listening games. Ask your child to close their eyes and identify the sound like a crumpling package from chips or tapping with drumsticks or footsteps, opening a door or eating something crunchy. 
variations on this game is to have sounds in a sequence and remember the sequence like that yeah. old Simon remember that yeah thing? I loved Simon <laughs> you can also play I spy a list of objects that you can see that might start with a certain sound or take out sounds and words again and see if you're you notice a theme of me like tricking my kids with different things uh, see if your kid can identify what's wrong hey can you grab me a slice of bread and they're like a slice it's a slice like why would you say that but just getting them to notice some of that stuff yeah you can also clap your name words songs poems with different syllables like bam maria bam bam right. bam yeah so stamp your feet or dance to the sounds of poems and songs and there's also alliteration have fun with making silly sentences with similar sounds about everyday objects sing a song with sleepy sister <laughs> i love that all those are fun yeah um you could play a bingo game or flashcards or memory i had a kid who loved memory jane would play like every game of memory and she was so good <laughs> at it all the time uh but you could maybe even make some flashcards that have like maybe the capital letter and they need to find the lowercase or do it with sight words Oh, and also, like, go to your library story times. We always talk about the library. Oh, my gosh. We lived at the library story times. Those librarians are so amazing. They are. We had so much fun at those places. Uh, You can sing the alphabet song and pointing out the letters, two different sets of letters or capital and lowercase. So you can see that there are so many choices and pathways to take when teaching your child to read. And this doesn't have to be a completely overwhelming experience. And it doesn't have to be a super structured formal one either. Yeah. Take your time. Really be patient and be willing to walk away when things get difficult just for a little while. Reading is hard. So as hard as you think it is for you, it's harder for your child. Yeah. And that, uh, that's so important. I mean, I and I always say, don't waste a ton of time trying to teach something to like a preschooler that you can explain in five minutes to a second grader. Right. Um, sometimes waiting for readiness, like just it makes all the difference. And just walking away for a little bit gives that little extra budget maturity that the child needed to get through that part of learning. And I know it seems like it doesn't work that way. But time and time again, it's happened for us, right? Like you walk away from something Absolutely. that you were struggling with, and you come back like in everything, oh reading, math, like a lot of things you come back and all of a sudden they've got it you're like oh gosh why why were we crying about that last week when all of a sudden this week we're in a ready space to like finally get it right and sometimes you really have to consider you know are they having a bad day are they hungry sure what's going on with your kid we can't just drill this information into them we have to wait and they're a child and they really have a lot going on with them they're developing and they have a lot in their head yeah that's actually a really good segue into our episode for next time how to survive a bad day oh my gosh I've had plenty of those. Have (laughs) you? Oh, I definitely have. So definitely you are going to want to tune into our next episode, which is how do you survive a bad day? Oh, gosh. (laughs) How do you teach an angry child? When should you abandon ship? How do you survive big life changes? It's going to be a really good one. Right. We've had plenty of big life changes since we started homeschooling. So we've been through a lot. But you've survived all those bad days. So we're really going to be able to help people. We have a lot of tips and tricks to help you get through your bad day. Yes. So So we'll see you later. See you next time. Cheers. Be sure to check us out on our website at btdthomeschool.com. As in, been there, done that, btdthomeschool.com. You can join our mailing list and get news and updates on future podcasts. And be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on social media. 
Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at the BTDT Been There Done That Homeschool Podcast. 